Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Late stream team take the ultimate enduro. To get a get a victory here is, is hard enough. To get a one two is pretty special. Fabian takes the ride of his life. It was a big crash, but you now the cars are very safe. You know we've got all the right harnesses, the roll cage, we've got all the safety equipment we wear, and you know big crashes like this happen. But you know I'm just happy to walk away. And Jamie says the hunt for the championship starts now. Always said it. The championship starts uh, from here on in, and uh, you know we've got a 125 point deficit to make up. So. You know, I'm, I'm confident if we can uh, if we can keep the car running and I can keep doing a good job, then it's going to be right. Uh, you know, a really good fight right till uh, the Gunners Rock, Sydney. Our Bathurst wrap starts today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Craig Lowndes and Mark Scaife have won the Bathurst 1000 race in record time, 6 hours, 12 minutes and 51 seconds. Lowndes triple stinting, completing a total of 79 laps to claim his fifth and Scaife's sixth mountain victory. Oh, delighted. I think that's, uh, you know, it's a dream come true really for us after 10 years to uh, not to be able to do it back then and uh, you know, come so close so many times. And then to have uh, a 10-year break and, uh, you know, to get the old band back together, it was, uh, it's pretty special. Scaifey now has his name on the Peter Brock Trophy. What does that mean to him? Uh, Peter's Trophy, you know, we, we all had close relationships with him. He was a great guy and a mentor for, for most of us. So um, it's certainly, you know, it's great to have your name on there. It's great to have your name on Bathurst Trophy anytime. So... Uh, probably means a little bit more because of uh, because of his uh, his status. Triple Eight had a perfect weekend with Jamie Wincup and Steve Owen claiming second position. From lap one, you know the the whole roller coaster and everything that goes on during the uh, this big day. It's just fantastic to be on the podium. Roland Dane told the V8 Insiders about the team's achievement. Come to, to Bathurst and if you can get uh, a win here any time is brilliant. You get a one-two, it's uh, sensational. So for us. Uh, uh, it's a yeah it's a summation so far of uh, of a year of achievement. We've won uh, now I think ten of the um, ten of the eighteen races, which is a pretty good strike rate. Garth Tander and Cameron McConville's fought back hard for HRT to claim third place. The second pit stop when the door was on the ground, I thought um, she's going to be a long day. For us, we weren't quite fast enough in the early part of the race. Certainly, we lost a bit of time at the start, but that wasn't such a big deal. We knew we had a a long road ahead of us, but the car just wasn't quite fast enough in the in the first two thirds of the race for us to fight back and, and get the right track position that we needed. But still, really, really happy with third given um, our trials and tribulations on the day. Fabian Coulthard's lap one crash brought a sombre note to the start of the grade race. Coulthard saying it was the waiting for the car to stop was the worst part of the incident. Oh, the biggest thing is just when it's going to end. Um, you know, one minute I'm facing straight, still hard on the accelerator next minute I'm sideways and upside down and barrel rolling through the gravel so it's, uh, it's not something you want to experience every day but you know, I'm glad to walk away 100% and safe and 
It's a magnitude to say how good and safe our cars are. Coulthard's tyre was damaged off the start when the rock racing car clipped the left rear tyre. Coulthard's felt the bump. It wasn't enough for him to think he needed to ease up. No, no need to, was there? You know, obviously we have contact now and again with cars on a day-to-day basis, but it's my job, you know. We, we drive 100%, you know, whatever happens, and, you know, unfortunately that part failed, and that's the consequence. The second safety car was for Dean Fiore, who went off at McPhillamy Park. Yeah, it was just a, a mistake on my behalf. I just took too much curb on the, on the inside of six, and then it bounced me out into the wall on the exit, so... Not the ideal way we wanted to finish the weekend, but, um, you know, I learnt a lot, so we'll come back next year. Lee Holsworth rejoined the race with car 33, dominating the first part, only to receive a pit lane speeding penalty on lap 123. That cost him dearly. Van Insiders checked with the stewards of the meeting, and it was on exit of the pit lane after David Besnard had brought it down for a driver change. Rock Racing caused another safety car with 25 laps to go, but it was Will Davison who brought out the final safety car and set up a charge to the finish. Davison, who was running in third until he collected the wall at the top of the mountain, a tyre delamination derailed the pole sitter Mark Winterbottom and Luke Yulden's efforts, the pair salvaging a ninth place finish. Jason Bright, the provisional pole man on Friday, talked about the ups and downs of his fourth place finish. It was a great effort to, to get the car back on the pace towards the end and um, and do the quickest lap of the race. You know, I'm really really happy that we're able to show that we've got so much speed even when even when things weren't going that well early on. James Courtney recovered from early troubles to gain fifth place. Yeah, look, uh, after the first stint when we were nearly a lap down with the with the splitter drama, it was uh, it wasn't looking real flash. Uh, it was a lot of hard work. We didn't get any safety cars to help us so uh, you know we pulled back 20 seconds on uh, on all those guys and um, you know it was a good effort it's just unfortunate that the conditions changed right before right at the end there um, the track sun came out and everything got a bit warmer and uh, didn't really suit our cars as well. For Courtney his weekend was constantly under media scrutiny with the team under siege as the reports of the sale of the team and speculation that Adrian Burgess and Courtney would be leaving at the end of the season. I asked how much that affected Courtney's mental state. Yeah, there's been, been plenty going on, so it's uh, it's given me plenty plenty to think about. So um, we'll see what happens uh, the next couple of weeks once it all unfolds and um, go racing. Almost like a footballer with the amount of drama that there was. <laughs> yeah, there's been plenty. So um, luckily uh, when I pull the helmet on, yeah, this is the last thing you're going to be thinking about tipping into the chase at 300 kilometres an hour. Captain McConville talked about how difficult it is to come back into the V8 series for the recently retired drivers and do as well as they hope to in the Enduros. I reckon you've probably got three years to be a valuable contributor to a top-level team, and that's why you know I uh, rattled the tin and uh, got Jacks to chip in to do the Fujitsu round at Winton and um, jump in Lucas's rig for Townsville because it's just... Uh, the the cutthroat you know of racing is what you need to be doing. Walkinshaw Performance are looking at the possibility of divesting themselves of two of their licences, which then puts big questions over the future of Bundy Red Racing and Fabian Coulthard. Watch this space for more details. 
There was no rest for the victors out the mountain. On Monday, they were back in Sydney promoting the Telstra Sydney 500 and the Armour Royal 600 in two weeks' time. They're all they're all hard races to win and, and go well, but I think the Gold Coast just got that little extra factor that's going to make it more difficult. So, um, you know, we're, we're confident. You know, we're, we're, we need to catch up. We need to do good things and we can't afford to slip up. Come uh, Homebush. Um, you know, the, uh, the 500 there is going to be a big race and, it's, and it will be the championship deciding weekend. We didn't have such a good run last year, so uh, really looking forward to uh, you know, capping off this season with a, uh, with a good result. You're here in eight weeks. Eight weeks we'll be back here fighting it out and I'm sure it'll come down to the wire like it always does. Super Cheap Autos has extended its sponsorship of the 1,000 for an additional four years. Anthony Hallam was surprised to find he was the 20 millionth fan to attend a V8 supercar event. Coming into the Harris Park gates on Saturday, Hanlon was greeted by cameras and Channel 7's Tom Williams, who presented the Sydney Cider with a range of gifts, including tickets to the Sydney Telstra 500. Unbelievable. I just can't believe what's just happened. It still hasn't gone through yet. <laughs> Hopefully, um, uh, Scaife and um, Lowndes win. That's what I'm hoping. That's about that would top my weekend off. Talking about fans... Well, Martin Whitaker got his first taste up close and personal of V8 supercar fans at the mountain. Unfortunately for the fans, perhaps they didn't realise that the V8 supercar CEO is a man who gets out among the people. Yeah, there were a couple of them on Saturday who, who mistook me for the, uh, the Ponzi Pom commentator. <laughs> so I've had a word with David Addison about it. But yeah, that was a, that was a nice experience. But, uh... Welcome to Australia. <laughs> Very true. A break and then some more news and a special interview with Martin Whitaker. I hope you'll stay with us. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Over the years, there's been a number of times where the media, myself included, have censored stories for the good of the sport. Martin Whitaker talked about this weekend where journalists went hard at one story in particular and how it managed to push V8 supercars from a back page story into the front back and middle of the papers. I think in a way, I think you've touched on it, that's a very interesting point, I think when the minute you get to the front and the back pages, or more importantly the front pages, um, and into the business section as well, I think it, it sort of almost says we've arrived might have taken us a little bit longer than some of the other sports, but we've arrived, and, and frankly, that's, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, certainly, we're, we're not trying to suppress anybody writing anything, no, no, I mean, clear, and, and it, would be, it would be completely wrong of us to do anything like that anyway. Um, I, think you're, I think one of the things, one of the differences is this is a sport that takes place, what, once every two or three weekends. The sports that you're traditionally talking about, whether it's NRL or AFL or whatever it might be, they, they're taking place every weekend and you know the, the, 
there's something about a training session here or, a, or an event there or a game here. So there's something continually, you know, it's continuing in the public eye. Um, right, to be perfectly honest with you, I think that uh, there's absolutely no harm at all in seeing motorsport up there on the front and the back pages. Um, it, it demonstrates that there is a massive interest in this sport. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in the fact that the... Um, media stories, how good or, or how bad they are, um, are important to the lifeblood of, of sport in general. Um, so whether it's, whether it's motorsport or whether it's AFL or NRL or rugby union or whatever it might be, I'm afraid that's a fact of life. And, and perhaps in a funny sort of way, as, as you rightly say, the fact that it is on the front of the back page perhaps makes people realise actually how important this series is and also the, the following and, the, and therefore the general awareness that it attracts. I've always said, haven't I, that I think looking at it from a, an outsider's perspective, if you like, in the last couple of months, I think it's important for people to realise that there's an awful lot of people around the world, not just in Australia, watching this championship. This, has got a, this is a series with a burgeoning interest all around the world. And so uh, I, I think it's hardly surprising that, we, uh, that we're, we're not only uh, sports story no we're not on the sports pages but we're we're on the front pages as well consumer consumer interest stories and also of course business interest stories because i know this is perhaps extending your question but um the fact of the matter is i mean look at us look at the consumer brands the high street high street shopping brands that i talk about the shelf the shelving brands um that we've now got in this series that's what makes a difference we're no longer just the domain for automotive products uh, but let's be honest, I mean, they're doing really well. I mean, here we are at the super cheap Bathurst race. Um, super cheap are in this because it's, it's great for them. It's a fantastic profile for them. And, and it, they do good business out of this event. Um, so that's great. But the other thing is we've got the non-motors, the non-motoring and non-automotive brands coming in as well. So all in all, I think that, that shows the general level of, uh, of interest and awareness that we're creating. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, it's Chris Jewell, the voice of V8 Supercars and Inside Motorsport's own Peter Norton. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lowndes from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, it's the voice of the V8 Supercars, Chris Jewell, and also from Inside Motorsport, Peter Norton. Uh, good evening, chaps. G'day, how you going, Craig? I'm very well, thanks, Chris. And, uh, Peter, I'm sure you have enjoyed your time on the mountain, even if you uh, weren't too happy with the brand that won. Well, that's right. I, I had so much fun, I think I'll go again next year. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Only 363 more days. Yeah. It's one of those races that, as soon as it's over, it almost has more questions to it than uh, really when it started it, it has a fascinating result and what do you think it means chris to their supercars to have craig lowndes and mark scaife on that peter brock trophy for 2010 
yeah, I guess if you roll it all into one, no pun intended, inclusive of Fabian Coulthard's gone global rollover, um, I think it's been a fantastic result to, to have, you know, Scaife moving on to six wins now to tie as the equal third, um, winning his driver with Larry Perkins and, uh, and Craig now moving on to five. I think it's a dream result, and I guess on the back of the Phillip Island uh, double as well, it probably puts two of the biggest Holden names, if not the biggest Holden names we've had since Brock, uh, right up into the limelight there. And, of course, uh, you know, Team Vodafone, you can't take anything away from them. And their marketing reach is such that I think that it probably gets greater uh, share of voice and media exposure than it would have done if, with one of the smaller teams or even some of the other bigger teams who don't have the same marketability had actually scored the victory. Mm-hmm. Peter, has the 1-2 from Triple Eight just sealed how good an idea it was to split those main game drivers? the drivers was the perfect thing uh, we really did have you know 20 quality cars there rather than the usual 10 and uh, you know we had more cars on the on the lead lap at the finish uh, we didn't have many safety cars so I don't think there's uh, any way of pointing that the uh, you know the part-timers filling all of those second seats uh, reduced the quality or caused any more accidents uh, I think the experiment worked very well and added uh, you know more depth to the drama Chris, your thoughts? Because you were up there for six hours. Yeah, look, I fully agree. I mean, making the top ten is hard enough. Now it's making the top 18 or so is hard. And if you actually look at the safety car periods, primarily they were all when the primary driver was at the wheel. Will Davison, Fabian Coulthard, Dean Fiore. I mean, there's three of the four safety cars. And I'm just trying to one, I think, was at the wheel of an innocuous failure coming down Conrad Strait. So it wasn't like it was inexperience that created the safety cars. They were in the hands of the more experienced guys. And I think some of the co-drivers slotted into a genuine co-driving role uh, and that probably made the race a tidier race. But uh, I'm all for it. I thought it was fantastic, certainly from a point of view of commentating. It took a lot of reading, and, and nobody was really out of the race. And if not for that late-race safety car for Will Davison, guaranteed we would have had a very different result that probably would have made the papers for all the wrong reasons because there's just no way the Vodafone team were going to make it on fuel based on the history of their previous stints. They'd gone on, on a full tank of fuel. Mm. Peter, it was very interesting to see the way that so many different strategies all came together after the Will Davison crash, and uh, it, it was amazing to see how fortunes would ebb and flow. That's what I've really enjoyed about Bathurst the last couple of years is the different strategies people are taking. Uh, in particular, I remember last year uh, where it was Scaife and Murphy who uh, had a particular strategy that all involved a very short time stopped in their final pit stop for fuel. And they'd worked the whole race towards it and it got ruined by a safety car. And uh, yeah, that's what makes the... the, the a bit of a lottery really is when will that final safety car fall when will it line up for your strategy or, or even when the safety cars fall when you've got co-drivers in versus your primary driver and the ability to make up time uh, it really is a bit of a lottery combined with brilliant strategy mm. and uh, this year we saw people with uh, uh, quite a lot of teams with big spreadsheets up on the wall or across desks and they're, they're sort of tracking the, the, the pit stop strategy from some of their competitors and it's fascinating and also they threw out some technology and it was just you know scribbles on a big piece of paper Mm. and chris the other interesting thing was so many teams were splitting their strategy and particularly right up the front of pit lane where you had uh, both hrt and team vodafone on that split strategy right from the start 
It's fair to say it's almost like yachting, America's Cup yachting to be specific, where some of the teams were covering other teams and doing what they were doing when they were coming into pit lane based on their track position. They could potentially come in if they saw the cars in front of them coming in. But they also didn't identify readily some of the teams that were getting 26 and 27 laps of fuel. And, you know, Shane Van Gisberg, if not for that steering arm failure that he had late in the race, he was the only car that was going to make it all the way to the end cleanly. And then you had the Murphy... Uh, combination with Simonson, Morris and Ingle and also the Holdsworth um, David Bernard car like I said without Will Davison's uh, safety car and that incident at the top of the mountain Team Vodafone wouldn't have won. Likely would have been a battle between Tander and Davison for the win with the rest of them coming in behind them. And can you imagine those guys running out in the second last lap or coming in for a splash and go? Mm, it would have been great. Now it's interesting too that uh, on the on the coverage and certainly the interviews uh, that we heard in the media centre and uh, down on pit lane when Lee Holsworth swapped over with David Bernard, who drove an absolutely flawless segment in the middle of the race, having that car right up the front of the field, well, at the front of the field. It was interesting because the uh, the blame was sort of pointed towards the man who brought the car in and uh, not taking it out. But I checked with Stephen Chopping and he said that the uh, infringement was reported from uh, from Speed Gun 2 and Speed Gun 2's on the exit. It was Lee that actually made the fatal mistake which caused the drive-through, Chris. Yeah, look, I thought that as well. Um, you know, when Bernard came in, and I'd actually mentioned it a couple of times to people, uh, and when they were showing in-car camera shots of them blending through the S's prior to that control line and were making particular reference to that as far as the time lost going down pit lane plus the stop. And I didn't see anything untoward when Bernard came in, but obviously you can't visually pick up two kilometres an hour. And I, I prophesied that could it possibly have been in, uh, in Lee's haste to get back into the fold, and clearly that's what it was. And I don't buy for a minute them saying we couldn't possibly have found 50 kilometres an hour you know, from our pit bay to uh, to the exit line. I mean, it's around 140 metres, and a V8 supercar could be doing 100 mile an hour in that speed, in that time. So clearly, you know, a 10k indiscretion would be one that's hard to measure, and they've fallen foul of it, unfortunately. Mm, uh, Peter, it really did change the nature of the race because uh, Lee and David both had done very, very good jobs, and it was unfortunate to see them fall out due to that error. Yes, it's another fascinating part about Bathurst, isn't it, where teams that have uh, had an okay year but haven't really been a, a forceful contender in many races throughout the year, all of a sudden they're leading the race comfortably. Uh, and, uh, okay, they fell over uh, with that drive-through penalty. But, uh, you know, it's a bit of a pity that that happened. Otherwise, they could have had an extra fighter in there trying to break up the, the 888 domination. Mm. Now, it was interesting because Cam McConville said to us in the press conference that he thinks a driver only has three years from when they retire to be an effective co-driver. And we have seen since the race, Peter, that uh, Glenn Seaton has said that's it for him. Yes, um, I think it's quite sad for many of the long-time Ford fans who uh, got onto the Glenn Seaton bandwagon. Uh, sad to see his run come to an end, uh, but, you know, it, it happens. Uh, and it's interesting that uh, Cam was saying that it's a three-year window. We've got quite a few of the, the co-drivers that we were just praising a couple of moments ago. They haven't been in a full-time drive for quite a few years. You know, David Bernard, I don't know what he drives during the rest of come out and done a fine job. So that three-year window, maybe it also has a factor of uh, people who have had a, a long career already uh, and who are, you know, dare I say it, uh, in the, the over-40s kind of category. Maybe they have that window, not so much for the others. What do you think, Chris, of that comment? 
Yeah, well, I think the difference is the Warren Luffs, Steve Owens, David Bernards of the world didn't ever retire. And I think once you mentally have retired and you make a commitment to come back and race, uh, I still think you're probably 5 to 10% shy of your absolute best across the, across a linear season or a linear endurance program. So not surprised to see the Seatons and the McCombs of the world just a little bit less sharp than they once were. Perhaps their mindset is slightly different as well. They've obviously had children and grown up and uh, have other things to think of, whereas a lot of those other guys are still hell-bent on proving themselves. And, you know, the percentage game tends to play into the uh, hands of the younger guys there. That's why I think that... You know, those guys I mentioned earlier uh, were really uh, cut above the rest of the guys and specifically above those guys who have already retired and then come back to the sport. Mm. Well, hey, we'll I take... just remembered a, a guest commentator at one of the, the races earlier this year that was suggesting that uh, Craig Lowndes had lost that edge. And that was uh, Murray Walker at Adelaide. Um, I think Murray might uh, might get a little bit of a, a, a phone call from Craig saying, uh, are you sure you don't want to change your mind on that? Yeah, it had been a long time, hadn't it? I mean, you've got to remember, of course, that uh, Wind Cup had won two championships uh, head-to-head with Craig Lowndes uh, during the course of the last three years and it was destined to contend for the championship this year, of course. And uh, Craig hadn't won since Barbagallo last year prior to Phillip Island, but now he's won the two biggest races and not only won the two biggest races, but did that incredible 79 on that stint, uh, well, double stint, of course, at, uh, at Bathurst. So, yeah, I think Murray might be hitting his words, but the fact of the matter is he had been coming second in a two-horse race uh, with no wins to win Cups 8 before we went to Phillip Island. So he certainly struck when he needed to. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yes, well, unless he was very much mistaken. <laughs> we need to take a break. <laughs> the V8 Insiders will be back with plenty more right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. As you heard in the news out of uh, out of the first break that we spoke with Martin Whitaker, and I thought it was an interesting weekend because we saw the uh, motorsport on front middle back pages of the paper, and uh, I wanted to get your views on those comments of uh, Martin. Chris, it's, it's interesting because there is a lot of times that motorsport media say for the good of the sport we're not going to run that story. Whereas if we were covering football, if we took that line, we would be sacked to keep some of the stories that don't get out. Well, it's a multi-million dollar sport, multi-multi-million dollar sport, and there are so many permanent employees who currently enjoy earning a living out of uh, V8 Supercar in Australia as our primary category, myself included, yourself included, mm. so many journalists, so many team members, etc. So I think we need to be accountable, and I think we need to also have the chance to make it into the papers for all of the positive and negative reasons. And it happens in cricket, it happens in tennis, football, golf, etc. So why should we be a protected species? And I think there are a few people in the game that are perhaps a little bit too precious, and we really do need some of these candid assessments uh, to make the papers and you know if we're going to make front page and back page if it's a rollover or if it's a team uh, going through a change of ownership uh, or any other topic otherwise I think that uh, it's good news regardless and I think that we need to probably have um, a little bit more of a a concrete milkshake swallowed by some of the teams because it's very easy for a lot of them to get a little bit too precious. Peter? Um, It's interesting isn't it that uh in other sports, perhaps they have less reliance on sponsors in terms of their performance. You don't necessarily need uh, 
you know, a hundred different sponsors to uh, to make the, an Aussie rules team uh, or an Aussie rules competition work. Uh, the, the players go out there and they get fit and they train, and that's where they get their performance from. But in motorsport, it's the sponsors' dollars that buy the fast parts. So there is a, a more direct correlation there. And you know, sponsors are very, very sensitive to some of the, the negative uh, press and being associated with a, a negative story. Um, so I can understand the sensitivity, but what I like about the sport is that it's got all of the drama of a proper sport, but it also interests me in other ways, the, the politics and the, the big business transactions that happen behind the scenes. So I, I don't think we can afford to be shy because really we've got a, a couple of bites at getting publicity uh, and as has been said for many, many years, all publicity is good publicity. Mm. Well, it's, it'll be interesting to see if we can rule a line in the sand, Chris, and say Bathurst 2010 was the time where, from that point on, everything gets reported. Yeah, look, I have no issue with it. I really don't. And, um, you know, and I recognise what uh, Peter's just mentioned about sponsorship, but there are race teams in our program that don't even need sponsors. Their sponsors actually subsidise the investment the manufacturers and the wealthy team owners are willing to make as opposed to being the staple uh, required to make them run. Yes, at the other end of the field, there are people who are 100% uh, you know, dependent on having their self-sufficiency supported by sponsors. But, you know, there are many AFL teams who have numerous sponsors at coterie level before they even get anywhere near signage on the fence, naming rights or um, or merchandise, etc. So, look, I just think that it's a good chance to turn the page. We're a clean sport. It's not like it's negative press because of drugs, you know, wife bashing, you know, uh, speeding or driving under the influence. It's uh, They're genuinely interesting stories that take the lid off the complexities of our sport. Mm. Well, Gas and Go is another chance to get the lid off and it is five questions in three minutes brought to you by V8X magazine gas and go starts now chris Jewell, will the short track and international drivers increase the gold coast carnage yeah, pretty convinced it wouldn't matter whether it was short or long. There's going to be some crashes in this race and uh, there'll be a lot of people out to prove a point regardless of what they might say. I'm sure we'll see plenty of safety car periods and just how much racing. Well, by comparison with Bathurst, I think we might see about half the amount of green flag laps. <laughs> Peter? Oh, I think absolutely there's going to be carnage and uh, the teams themselves have been smart and they're putting the international guest drivers uh, with their with the car that is lower in the championship. They're going to play the uh, percentages. Yes, the 20 millionth fan walked through the gates this week at Bathurst. How long do you reckon it'll take to get to 30, mil- 30 million, Peter? Um, I suppose you have to do the maths of about 200,000 per year that walk through the gates across the uh, the four days and uh, divide that into your extra 10 million. I, I don't see that we're going to get huge increases on the number of spectators there uh, each year. Chris? I guess a clarification, that's the 20 millionth V8 supercar fan, not the 20 millionth Bathurst fan, because if we had 20 million Bathurst fans, even in its 50-year history, that's 400,000 people per weekend. <laughs> so it's the 20 millionth fan of the V8 supercar, I think, was the uh, rationale they were discussing, just fortuitous that it actually happened at Bathurst. But one and a half million people go each year to the 15-round V8 supercar championship series. So using that mass and extrapolating it, probably eight to ten years' time before we get to 30 million. Which is a lot shorter than we get to 20 million, isn't it? It is uh, it is building that base so well. How much do you think the DJR speculation, Chris, affected the DJR team's performance on the racetrack? 
Look, I think it certainly affected their preparation and their mindset. It certainly had nothing to do with the front splitter delaminating on James Courtney's car early in the race, which put them behind the eight ball. So I don't think it necessarily would have changed the measurable end result, but uh, there's some very fairly nasty internal rumblings going on at that team at the moment. I'd be surprised if they can maintain their momentum to the end of the year sufficiently well enough to give James Courtney a genuine chance at the championship. Peter? Um, I agree that James Courtney didn't uh, appear to be affected too badly in terms of his on-track performance. Um, the number 17 car, I think it didn't live up to uh, expectations, so maybe the, the sensitivities were a bit higher there. All right. Now, Peter, Walkinshaw Racing, the big rumour is they're going to divest themselves of two cars. You'd have to back them being the Bundaberg Rum cars. Where do you think those licences are going to go? Um, it's interesting. Before that uh, whisper sort of started circulating, the thoughts were that uh, this year's silly season was going to be much tighter, that there would be less licences on the market, and people like Ford Performance Racing, who have uh, sort of been in the market to pick up uh, another licence, uh, or at least one, uh, for quite some time, uh, might see very high price tags on them. Uh, so it's, uh, it gets rather confusing, and, and who knows, maybe the, the Dick Johnson Racing uh, issues may put someone else on the market to uh, try to buy to buy some of those up. Yeah, it's interesting because Charlie said to me, as V8 Insider listeners know, Chris, that uh, he was looking for a fourth licence but didn't know where it was going to come from. I think that might have changed since Phillip Island. Well, he might be looking for one licence and he'd certainly be uh, one of the guys that could be vying for one of those two licences if they come have available. Uh, also a fair bit of discussion about Paul Morris Motorsport expanding to four cars, all of which will be built by Triple Eight Race Engineering. So uh, we'll just have to see where the teams come from that might go to that uh, area. I know that one of the Bundaberg Red Racing licences is likely to move on. Whether or not it's two, we'll wait and see. But I would imagine that uh, the Jonathan Webb entry is probably another one that's up for some... Uh, some evaluation as well because I don't think they'll be particularly pleased about what's gone on at or what's potentially going on with Dick Johnson Racing at the moment. So keep an eye on where Charlie Schwerkop might turn up, where the Jonathan Webb licence might end up and I think you'll find there's a fair bit of activity in and around a Paul Morris Motorsports facility up in Queensland. Mm. Now how do you top a 1-2 finish at Bathurst, Chris? Shouldn't it be the grand final? I wish. I really do. Um, I've always said that. In the last three years, we've had effectively grandstand finishes uh, each time at, uh, at Mount Panorama. And, in fact, all the way back to 2007 in the wet finish where we saw cars flying off the top of the mountain. Uh, if the last thing everybody saw was the race that we saw last weekend or any of the three previous to that, then I think they would be salivating at the thought of the category starting again next year. Whether we could occupy the current date and wait four months before we race again, not completely convinced, but if it could be manipulated to even a mid-November date, if Bathurst was the end of our season, what a way to finish, what a place to crown the champion and what a place to crown the winner of the race. Mm. Peter? Um, I strongly disagree. Uh, we've talked earlier about publicity and uh, you know, all, all publicity is good publicity and it's all about getting that publicity out there again and again on different occasions. And how would you like to win a championship when all of the headlines talk about the Bathurst winner? Mm, fair point. Unless, of course, you won the championship and Bathurst on the same day, then you'd be pretty happy. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> Bathurst should be worth double points. <laughs> Well, it effectively is because it's worth 300 points to win, whereas the next best races are normally about 150. Well, 
wasn't that many years ago that the Bathurst weekend had double weighting compared to uh, any other weekend. Mm. It is an interesting one. Guys, that's Gas and Go for another week here on the V8 Insiders, brought to you by V8X Magazine. And Chris... Glad to uh, catch up with you. It was a fantastic weekend and you uh, don't get much break until you head up to the Gold Coast for what will be a very interesting Gold Coast event. Yep, next Wednesday I'm off, so I've got uh, eight days back in the office, squeezing a couple of days for the weekend and a chance to pat the dog and kiss the wife and off to the Gold Coast we head. But really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a singularly unique, unique event and some of the things that are going on as far as support categories are concerned with the two um, Alan Moffat Falcons are now being, forming part of the Pertec uh, Legends uh, program. It's just going to be fantastic. Looking forward to seeing some of the extra race activity and the uh, and the support events just as much as I'm looking forward to seeing how the internationals fare in a V8 supercar on the streets of the Gold Coast. I look forward to uh, catching up with you soon, Chris. And also, Peter Norton, all the best. Yep, I can't wait for the Gold Coast either. It's the time of the year that the championship and the politics and everything ramps up. Bring it on. It's going to be fun. After the break, it's the white flag lap with Craig Lowndes telling us that uh, Tony Cochran might not be as good on race strategy as uh, he'd like to think. We also hear from TC. Be back after this break. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, Tony Cochran is not afraid to make the big calls. Craig Lowndes said at Phillip Island, TC told them that having Scaife start the race was a mistake. And it seems he gave the same advice again at Bathurst. Yeah, Tony came up and we had a bit of a laugh and a joke. And, uh, and of course, it's, uh, it's again, it's trumped him. So uh, it's twice now that... Uh, um, we got something back on him, but uh, it's very rare. I mean, you know, we, we have good banter and good fun. Uh, you know, everybody in that team's a really good mate. Uh, we all get on really well. Scaife and I are particularly close as friends, all of us have been. Uh, so we both give each other a bit of shit occasionally, but, that, you know, that that's, keeps you sane on the road. I mean, everybody forgets we're on the road 15, 16 weeks of every year. So you've got to have a bit of that uh, a bit of that rubbish going on in the background to keep your sanity. My thanks to TC and Lounsey there. As the chicken flag waves over another big edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.